Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. Joshua 6, 26, the title for today is Reverse the Curse. Reverse the curse. Last week we had a very scary sermon. If you weren't here, make sure you listen because this is really part two. But it was called The Curse. The Curse. And we talked about how many curses have been broken recently. We talked about the baseball curses, you know, the Red Sox and the Cubs and the White Sox and all that. And most curses aren't real. We just kind of have fun with them. We joke about them. Uh, In fact, I was looking at some other curses and saw a few lately talked about. One was the Titanic. And supposedly the Titanic sank, not because it hit an iceberg, but because of the mummy. There was a mummy on the Titanic, right? And they, they, this mummy was cursed, and that's why it sank. Only there never was a mummy on the Titanic. It wasn't true. And even if it was, it wouldn't have sunk the Titanic. It would have been the iceberg, right? So most of them are not real. Most curses are not real. But we looked at a very real curse in the Bible in Joshua 6, 26, where it says... At that time, Joshua pronounced this solemn oath, Cursed before the Lord is the man who undertakes to rebuild this city, Jericho. At the, curse of his, I'm sorry, at the cost of his firstborn son, he will lay its foundations. At the cost of his youngest, he will set up its gates. And we, show, saw, we talked about how God had miraculously knocked down Jericho, the, the battle of Jericho, the walls came tumbling down. You all know the song. But, um, but it was a miracle. But then Joshua cursed, said, don't ever rebuild this. God knocked it down. Don't ever rebuild it. If you, if you rebuild it, you're going to be under a curse. And we saw how it was fulfilled in 1 Kings 16.34, where he says, In Ahab's time, Hile of Bethel rebuilt Jericho. He laid its foundations at the cost of his firstborn son, Abiram, and he set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Sagub, in accordance with the word of the Lord spoken by Joshua, son of Nun. So we saw how he rebuilt it. It cost him his, his children. It cost him his, his legacy, his heritage. And we connected the dots to our country, how in the United States today we are rebuilding many Jerichos. Once again, get the, the CD or go on the podcast and listen. Uh, we're rebuilding many Jerichos in the USA today, and we saw the, the effect of that, the, the effect of the curse of sin on our society. It's not hard to, to figure this out. We also saw how we are all, every one of us is under the curse of sin ourselves as individuals. Every one of us, but we talked about how Jesus Christ, Galatians 3, came to break that curse. That's why he died on the cross, to break the curse of sin and death in our life and to set us free. And that's what communion is all about remembering what Jesus did on that cross, how he gave his body and his blood. That's why the bread is for the body and the the juice is for his blood, how he sacrificed to break that curse. So today we're going to talk about how to reverse the curse. And I hope that in each one of our lives we're going to understand this and and experience the breaking of whatever the, the curse of sin is done in our life, whatever needs to be broken. We're going to talk about that today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship. We thank you that we're here today. We know none of us is here by accident. You brought us for a very specific purpose. You want to move us forward spiritually. You want to set us free in Jesus Christ. You want us to live free in Christ. I pray that every one of us would find that freedom and experience that freedom on a daily basis. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so, there's an insert 
in all your bulletins, and I did that so you could have something to take home because I really hope that this, you put this somewhere in your Bible, somewhere you're going to see it all the time, every day in your Bible. Uh, see it every, every day and, and really make this part of your life because this is really key, key, key on how to reverse the curse. Now, here's the deal. I read about Joshua, the curse. We saw how it was fulfilled in 1 Kings 16. When we become a Christian... When you put your faith in Christ, maybe you're not there yet, maybe you're just seeking, that's great, keep coming, keep seeking, but maybe you've already taken that step where you said, God, I believe Jesus died for my sin. I ask you to forgive me because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. What he did on the cross, he died in my place, he was a substitute in my place, he, he took my place, he took my sin, he took my guilt, we talked about that last week, he took my curse on that cross and died in my place. I put my faith in Jesus and give my life to him. When you take that step of faith, we are set free by Jesus Christ. Our spiritual Jericho comes crashing down. Comes crashing down. There was a huge wall between us and God, the wall of sin. But that wall of hostility that the Bible talks about came crashing down between us and the Father. And now we have the power, just like the Israelites could now after they... The walls of Jericho came down. They were able to go in and take the promised land. We now have the power to enter our promised land. We have the power to claim our spiritual promises that have been many, many spiritual promises. We talk about them all the time that have been guaranteed to us. We have guaranteed victory if we persevere in faith and obedience. Remember that, remember that equation we had given it? It's, it's not an equation, but I tried to make it a math thing so you could look at. Obedience plus perseverance empowered by faith equals spiritual victory. And sp- equals God's power in our life. And we are guaranteed victory if we persevere in our faith and obedience. But this warning that God gives to Israel is for us too. Because this is a physical picture of a spiritual reality. Old Testament, New Testament. And, and the, the same thing as we can have the promises, this warning that he gave them, this physical warning is a spiritual warning to each of us. If we rebuild our Jerichos, it will cost us our spiritual heritage. Just like it cost them his sons, it will cost us our spiritual heritage, our legacy. Many times, as individuals... For all of us, when we become a Christian, God knocks down the strongholds in our life. He, he frees us from sin. It's a battle, but he frees us from sin. But then at some point, oftentimes what we do is we return to that Jericho. We return to the rubble. We return to the garbage that we've been set free from. And it costs us dearly, doesn't it? All of us, we all experience this, don't we? We're not pointing fingers, but, but sometimes we see a vivid picture that really warns us. I see my pastor friends, and, and I always say, don't ever be shocked if this happens to me. If I get knocked out, don't be shocked. I'm, I'm not Jesus. Only Jesus is the one you can depend on. But I see pastor friends who've been in ministry for years and had fruitful, wonderful ministries, but they... they, they they, re, they, re, they return to a Jericho. They fall to a sin in their life. Something, could be anything, fall to something that disqualifies them from the ministry. And all people remember now is they, they crashed and burned out. You know? And, and they've lost their ministries. They've lost their calling. They, many times they lose their families in the process. I can't remember someone had, 
I remember hearing a pastor one time when I was first starting in ministry, he said, out of the ten people that go into ministry, only nine will retire in ministry. Most of them crash in some way. <laughs> I'm tempted to take an early retirement just so I'm not one of them. But anyway, the, the, there's a warning in that, isn't it? There's a warning. Uh, I see many fathers, they, they lose their marriage or they lose their kids spiritually because, because they, they, you know, I, I had a guy who was a strong Christian. He was one of my youth leaders and I remember going to camp and he had such an impact on us and later on he, he went back to drugs and you know and it was it wasn't anything big it was just marijuana just marijuana he went back to marijuana there's nothing dangerous with marijuana it destroyed his life his kids are all not following the lord now today because that pot was more important than his spiritual heritage he went back to his jericho uh i i've seen many christians in ministry I've been in ministry 30 years now more than that maybe and uh i've seen many Christians that that were saved and set free. I prayed with them and prayed over them and, and helped them move forward and beat some sinful addiction and move forward. And they lived free for years and were blessed, experienced incredible blessings. But at one point, they went back to that besetting sin. The world calls it addictions. No, Hebrews calls it a besetting sin. It's a sin. And, and, and they died spiritually. They went back to that Jericho and they died spiritually. And some of them died physically. Physically. I remember a guy, this was long ago, and so there's no way anybody can connect the dots with me. But I remember I was in a church and many years ago, and this guy had a secret sin. He had a drinking problem. And, you know, I'm not, you know, we talk about alcohol and there's, the right way to drink and the wrong way to drink and all that. But I personally don't drink. But, but this guy had a, a, a drinking problem. And it was a secret sin. And he became a Christian. And he was growing spiritually. He had a wife and these beautiful little children. And, and he, all of a sudden, I got a call. I was a youth pastor at the time. Got a call. He had, he had died in a car accident. Like, what? It was like shocking. And this is the crazy thing. Turns out he was had this drink. He was hiding his drinking problem, and he was driving, drinking, driving, and he crashed into a telephone pole or something like that. It was fine. The police said he walked away. They, he said, "Yeah, I'm fine." The wife came, picked him up, went home, and he, he just dropped dead. It was some internal injury that killed him. But the point was that secret sin that he had. That he, I wish he had told someone and got help for it. And, got, and kept his freedom, but he kept going back to that secret sin, and it, it, killed him. it was killing him spiritually, obviously, and it killed him physically. And that's a vivid picture of what happens with us. We may not die physically, but we die spiritually when we rebuild the Jerichos, when we go back to the garbage in our life that, that God wants us to live free. Now, listen, I'm not judging anybody. We all have weaknesses. We all have weaknesses, and maybe you are stuck in the quicksand right now. Maybe you feel like you're sinking right now. I hope that you leave with renewed hope today because we're going to talk about how to reverse the curse and how to live free and, and to stay free and to, to take the, claim the promises and live with that promises, live with a purpose, live with the joy, live with the peace that God wants us to live with. Now, understanding temptation is very, very important. This is key. Uh, I'm going to use a hernia to, to illustrate this. 
I've had three hernia operations. I know many of you have. Uh, let's see those hands. Well, many hernias here. You know, many, some of you still need hernia operations. I know. And you're putting it off. I know why. Uh, it gets worse every time, you know. But uh, I've had three hernia operations. And here's the thing. A hernia is a, starts out as a weak spot in the muscle wall, stomach area, abdomen area. It's a weak spot. And what happens is you're really born with this weakness. Uh, I, was, I inherited this from my grandpa. My, one of my grandpas had ten hernias. All right? I only had three. I'm doing well. But anyway, he, he, but it, I was born with this. I inherited it from my grandpa. Right, And then on top of that, my, your lifestyle, my lifestyle affected my hernias. Because uh, when you do things like lifting and, and strenuous things, you cause more trouble to that hernia. I grew up on a farm, lifted lots of thousands of pounds of hay, and we were always lifting something. Then I was an athlete. We did a lot of, I did a lot of strenuous sports and weightlifting and everything. And that further weakens and even ruptures. Some of you remember when your hernia is ruptured, right? You know, you were lifting something, and wait, that wasn't right, right? So you remember that. Even, so then we get the surgery, but even after the surgery, there's always that tender spot, isn't it? That weak spot. And you're shoveling too much snow or doing something else, and you're like, did I rupture that thing again? That hurts hurting. Wait, stop now. Because we, we are always in danger of re-breaking that. And it's the worst thing you could possibly hear is the doctor say, oh, we're going to have to redo that hernia. You know? So that's a, a bad thing you want to hear. Now imagine if... Now imagine with my hernias and you guys with the hernias, imagine I'm an MMA, MMA fighter. I know that's hard to imagine, but uh, if, the, if the guy, the boom, could do it, I could do it, right? It's, it's a ridiculous movie. But anyway, the, the, uh, I'm an MMA fighter, and I'm going to go fight somebody, and, and they're trying to defeat me. What are they going to try to hit? If they knew I had three hernias, they're going to aim for the hernia surgery. You know, they're going to try to hit me right, you know, I had an umbilical one. They're going to go right from my belly button, which isn't there anymore. They're going to go right for it. And I'm the second, third Adam. I tell my kids I'm the third Adam. You know, the first Adam. Jesus is the second Adam. I'm the third Adam, right? No belly button. But anyway, that, that's a, a, a giveaway. Anyway, uh, now, opponent goes right for it. Rocky, right? Bleeding in the eye, going for the eye. You know, going for, trying to open the cut over the eye. That's what the enemy... That's what our opponent does. Now, I'm going to apply it to the Christian life here. And temptation. We all have spiritual hernias. Every one of us has that weakness. We have vulnerable areas of our life. Every one of us has them. We are all born with it. Just like I was born with certain things, we are born. It's called the sin nature. We inherit it from our great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandpa, Adam and Eve, right? We inherited that That. That we all have a spiritual disease. We have the sin nature. In addition to that, we are all prone, each prone to certain sins. We're prone to it. We have a we predisposed, pre, I knew I was going to say this wrong, predisposed, predisposed to certain sins. Um, in my family, there's a lot of alcoholism. You know, I Tell you family stories. There's a lot of alcoholism. So my parents always warned, watch out, watch out, alcoholism. Uh, it's in the family. So I knew, we are, but we, whether it's alcohol, whatever it is, we are all predisposed predispo- to certain struggles and vulnerabilities and sins. On top of that, 
We are impacted by our family, by our parents and our family, by our parents, what they model and what they struggle and if they blow up and have rage issues that causes problems for us with a rage, whatever. I'm just using that as one example. We all are impacted by our parents for good and for bad, right? Um, mostly good. Uh, then our own behavior, on top of all this, our own behavior has an effect. If we, let's say it's alcohol for me, and I just told you a lot of my story. Um, if I were to start drinking and then repeat that, and then every time I got stressed out, I drank some more, and every time I got upset, I drank some more, what happens? It ruptures. Next thing I got is alcoholism, right? I'm an alcoholic because it is now ruptured. And then on top of my own behavior, there's also life events. There's traumas in our life that can also cause a rupture. might not even be something we do, but something that happens to us that ruptures this weak area. And we end up in sin because, well, let's say, let's say we had a bad car accident, we can't work, we're home, we're depressed, we start to drink. You know, I'm just giving you one example. You can apply this to any sin. If you've been sexually abused, you know, and I've counseled many people, and a lot, Kim and I have counseled many people, you know that it opens a lot of doors to sexual sin or to fear or a lot of other things, sexual abuse. But applied to any area, something can rupture us. It could be our own behavior. It could be something traumatic that happens to us. So we're vulnerable. We have these spiritual ruptures in our life. But then, that's temptation. Then we find out about Jesus Christ. And we find out that we, our sins can be forgiven. And we find out that our shame can be washed away and our guilt can be taken away. and We can become a new person in Christ. So we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we have now had spiritual surgery. Intense spiritual surgery, right? We're forgiven. We're washed clean. We have a brand new start. But we still have Weak, tender spots. After the hernia surgery, I can still feel it if I lift something too heavy. The baby's almost too heavy for me. Uh, yeah, it's too heavy, right? Uh, we have these tender spots, and so that we have to, as spiritually, we have to be careful. We have to be on our guard. Even though we're spiritual surgery, we have to be on our guard. And not only that, we're still in a battle. We're in a spiritual battle, and we are fighting somebody. His name is Satan. He's trying to take us out. He's trying to take us out. And what does he go for? Our weak spots. You ever experienced you experience that you're down? You're down and Satan goes right for that weak spot. Or, or our guard is down and he goes right for that weak spot. That's why Ephesians 6 says, put on the full armor of God. We're put on the armor that covers every part of us. The spiritual armor is so important. We've talked about this many times. And not only that, it says also to pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And the reason is that we have to be constantly in that prayer. We have to be on our guard constantly. Very, very important. Um, so we must, we must all take into account all of this when we're dealing with our healing and we're dealing with temptation. It's very important to understand all this. It's the fall. It's predisposition. It's our own behavior. It's life events. It's Satan and spiritual attacks. It's all part of it because temptation is a given. Temptation is a constant that we're always going to face. But now this is important. God's grace is also a constant. 
God's grace is also there to, to offset every spiritual attack we face. And there's four, I, I did four R's to kind of help you remember this. Four R's, four keys to freedom. It's in the insert there. And I, I hope that you will take these and use these to apply to each area that you're fighting with because it, you have to really pray specifically through these. But also, even after claiming your victory and claiming your freedom, even after that, this just has to be kind of a way of life. I can't tell you the number of times in a day I'll say, I repent, renounce, resist, renew. Because I've worked through these and made them part of my life and, and I fight the spiritual battles with these four R's that I'm going to give to you today, okay? The four keys to freedom. The first one is repent. The first step is repentance. Acts 2, 36 to 39 says, when, when the, Peter's preaching, he says this, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said Peter, to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of the Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promises for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Repent. Also in Acts 26.20, Apostle Paul preaching, and he says, I preach that they should, uh, the second part there, I preach that they should repent and turn to God and prove their repentance by their deeds. Repentance. Repentance is very, very important. Repentance literally means you're walking one way and you turn around and you walk the direct opposite way. And that's the idea. You're following a certain sin or sin, a sinful life even. And all of a sudden you say, I repent. And you turn and you walk the other way. It's a spiritual decision you make. I'm going to give you an illustration of a walking the dog. Anybody have a dog? You walk the dog. You put it on the leash. You go out and take a walk. And you're walking and you're going this way. And all of a sudden the dog wants to go that way. Sees a rabbit, something, whatever. And if you have a big dog, this is even more vivid. They all of a sudden decide to go the other way. And what do you do? <laughs> you're... you're Shoulders dislocated there, boom. They decided to go the other way. And that's a picture of what repentance is. You decide, I'm no longer going there, I'm going here. And, and that's very, very important because God will do anything except make up your mind. He'll do anything for us. All the grace in the world, but he won't make up our mind. We have to surrender to his word and his purpose and believe what he's saying. Believe that sin is hurting us, destroying us. Is The thief comes going to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. We have to believe that it's really a lie. Because that's what it is. If you've been in it long enough, you know what I'm talking about. But that's where repentance comes. We have to repent and say, I turn away from that. I'm turning away from that sin. Doesn't mean we'll never struggle again. We'll get to that. Then the next R, after repentance, is renouncing. This is very important, too. It's not just repenting, but there has to be a renouncing. Proverbs 28, 13 says, He who conceals his sin does not prosper, but whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Renouncing is very, very important. I use the picture of what renouncing means. Repenting is when you turn and go the other way, but renouncing means to break Break its hold on you. And this is very important. Very, very important. You're walking the dog. 
And you're walking the dog, and all of a sudden the dog, you got on the leash, and it zooms the other way. But what happens? It's repented. It's going the other way. But what happens? That leash is holding it. That leash is pulling on it. It can't go anywhere, right? What does that dog need to do? Break the leash or break your grip on that leash so it can run free. And that's what renouncing is, is, is through persistent prayer and, and, and finding our freedom in Christ, which we'll talk about. We break the, the, the hold on us. We break it. Very, very important. Then after we've done that, we've repented, we've renounced, we've broken it. Then comes the resisting. The resisting. James 4, 7. Submit yourself then to God resist the devil and he will flee from you. First we submit to God, we're depending on him, and then we resist. Make, watch that order. But resisting is very important. And that's when we won't let ourselves be recaught. One of our neighbors has a dog, several dogs, and they get out sometimes, and when they get out, they cannot be caught. The, but, but they know that if they, these dogs come to our house, somehow we can catch them because it usually means we have to lure them into our house or garage. We shut the door, and then we can catch them. Anyway, that's what neighbors do for each other. And I, I won't go any further with that. But, but, but we'll be there and the kids will be like, come on in, come on in. And they'll hold food and they'll lure them in and just get them in the house. And then we can catch them. And that's what Satan tries to do. He tries to lure us back to the garbage that we've been set free from. And it's very important that we, we resist. We resist. And then finally, very, very important, is the renewing. And this is critical. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of the mind is vital. Vital, vital, vital. Once you repent of something, there's a void there. There's a spirit. There's a physical, spiritual, emotional, mental void there. You have to fill that void with, with, with the right thing, with spiritual things. And it's a daily, hourly, minute-by-minute minute renewing with God's word, with worship, with, with praise, it's, it, with prayer. It's very, very important to renew the mind. And it means cutting out the garbage that we are feeding before, whether it's on the internet or on the TV or with the friends or, or with the thoughts. We've got to cut that out. We have to renew the mind. The mind is like a computer. <laughs> it's a supercomputer. Right? Whatever you put in the mind is always there. It never goes. It's always there. And the younger you are, the worse it is because it stays there a lot longer. And repeated sinful behavior embeds that problem, this sin into the mind even deeper. It, in certain sins even reprogram the brain. Did you know that? Drugs, for instance, reprogram the brain. Very, very serious. Uh, you know, I'm on a... I'm on NHS Cares, which tries to help young people not to use drugs and, and, and alcohol. And, and it's amazing what alcohol and marijuana and then even the, heavy, then the heavier drugs, obviously, they reprogram the brain. And the younger you are and the more often you do it, the more it reprograms the brain. Very, very serious. But any, any sinful addiction can do that. And uh, that's why the mind must be renewed. And it takes incredible effort. It takes perseverance. It takes will, depending on God with willpower. It takes grace completely depending on it. And then after we do that, after we've renewed the mind, we've wiped the computer clean, after we've done that, there's still pop-ups. 
right? They're still on the computer. There's still pop-ups. Old emotional things and old temptations, they pop up. And if you click on the pop-up, what happens? You get a problem on your computer, right? And if you click on the pop-up mentally, when you do that, we've got a problem now. It, it's powerful. Things that have been gone for years. If you hit the pop-up mentally, woo, spiritual problems. It, and we rebuild, powerful again, and we rebuild the Jericho once again. Very, very serious. Um, there's a book back on our shelf called Homosexuality and the Politics of Truth. And in chapter 9, if you uh, grab that book and read chapter 9, it talks about homosexual struggles, but it really applies to any sexual struggle. And this is not written by a Christian, by the way. This book was not written by a Christian. But it shows the, the incredible power of renewing the mind. Now, on top of it, you put a Christianity on top of it, and it's multiplied many, many times over the Holy Spirit. But read that chapter on the mind. It's really, really good. It applies to all the struggles. It talks about renewing the mind amidst spiritual struggles. Very, 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 very good. Whatever your struggle is, whether it's a sexual struggle, whether it's uh, drug and alcohol, whether it's anger, whether it's rage, whether it's gossip, whether it's bitterness, whether it's... Yeah, I mean, if, we, can all, we can all fill in the blanks many times over, can't we? Whatever it is, it, God's grace, it's never too late with God. There's always another chance. There's always God's mercy and grace if we persevere in faith. No matter what you're struggling with... You can be cleansed and set free and fight this battle the fours. You can do that. First Corinthians six nine to eleven. Read it many many times. Uh, it just is such a hopeful passage where it says, "Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually." Immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. But you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. No matter what your struggle is, don't believe the lie that you cannot be set free. Look at that list. That's what some of you were. That's what we all were. We could add to that list, couldn't we? Everybody here, we could do that. But we've been set free. We've been washed. We've been justified, just as if we've never sinned. And that, and that is so important to remember this, that there's hope for anyone at any time, no matter what we're facing, no matter how many times we make mess up. Don't believe the lie that that's what we are. No, that's what I was. I may have fallen down to this again. I may have struggled. I may have this Jericho rubble, you know, dealing with. But that's what I was. And also, I want to encourage you, don't isolate. Don't struggle in secret. The most important thing with a secret sin is to share it. Because it's not a secret anymore. That's what breaks the power of it. Share our struggles. We can help. We can help each other. We can help. Talk to me. I will either help you or connect you with someone who can help you. Whether it's someone in our church or a Christian counselor. There's, it's so important that we all share our, our struggle with someone, work, find our freedom in Christ. There's the freedom in Christ materials. There's the search for significant, significance. We pray through. We find our freedom. What is your Jericho today? As we get ready for communion here, what is your Jericho? What needs to come down? What needs to fall down? What, or what rubble do you need to stay away from because it's going to knock you out, whether it's a sin 
or a temptation or that person, place, or thing. Now, we talked about that, that person, place, or thing. Maybe you need to talk to me or Kim. Maybe you need to talk to a Christian brother or sister. Maybe you just say, hey, can you give me the name of a good Christian counselor? I won't ask any questions. I give you the name. You talk to them. You get your freedom in Christ. Because under, the reason Christian counseling is so valuable is it helps us understand why we're vulnerable. Once we understand why we're vulnerable, we know what to stay away from. We can find our healing. It doesn't change faith and obedience, but it helps in, in, the, in the struggle. Why we're vulnerable. Teenagers, don't open doors. We are all weak. Everybody is weak. But once you open the door, behavior leads to habits that lead to addictive sins. And it will affect you for the rest of your life. Don't open the door. What you do, it will, what you do, what you think about, what you watch, what you put into your brain, what you act on, that will affect you for the rest of your life. I want to encourage you, don't open the doors. Or if you have opened doors, talk to somebody. Get your victory now. Get it while you're young. Get it before you've been stuck in something for 30 years. Get it while you're young and, 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 and talk to someone. The earlier the better. Whether it's you know, Zach or Rebecca, the youth leaders or youth pastors or, or somebody, talk to somebody. And I want to encourage you to take the four R's. You see the, everybody, the, the insert there, the four R's? Memorize these. And, and pray through these. Pray through struggles. Find someone to help you pray through struggles. And just make it a way of life to persevere through these four R's. Make this just a way of life, way of life to renew your minds with. It's powerful if to repent, renounce, resist, renew. Just to make that part of every spiritual battle that you fight. And maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian yet. You're saying, I can't fight this battle. You're right. You can't fight it. Only by being set by, free by Jesus Christ can we fight this battle. We can't do it without God's help. We must repent and put our faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only way to reverse the curse. The only way. And that's what communion is all about. Reversing the curse. That Jesus died on the cross for us. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. That's what has reversed the curse. Jesus' death on that cross, breaking that for us. We're going to just take communion here in just a moment. What it is, it's the body and the blood of Christ represents. It's a symbolic, the bread, the body, the, the juice represents the blood of Christ. It represents that. And when we take it, we're remembering what he did for us. We're, we're communing with him too. We're remembering how much we need Jesus. Not just for salvation, but for daily life. Our daily life needing that communion with him all the time. There's only two reasons why you shouldn't take it. One, if you're not a Christian yet and you're not ready to become one, that's okay. Just wait. But you could put your faith in Christ today and take communion. The second is if there's something in your life that you won't surrender. If there's a sin in our life that we won't repent of, not that you won't struggle with, <laughs> none of us would have to come, we'd be able to come up here, right? But if there's something in your life, say, no, God, you can't have it. I'm not giving this up. I'm not going to fight it. Then don't take communion because it is very important. We don't take communion in an unworthy way, but I hope that everyone does. You say, God, I'm gonna, this is a battle for me. It's a struggle, but I want to be set free, and I need to commune with you to get this freedom. I hope that's all of our prayers. Let's pray.
And at the end of the time of prayer, just whenever you feel led, whenever you feel ready, just come on up and, and take it back to the seat, your seat, and take, the, take communion between you and God. But to start off, let's start off with a time of prayer. Maybe you're here today as we go to this time of prayer, and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You're still under the curse of sin, the consequences of sin. But you want to be free. You can have that freedom right now by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. He's broken that curse. He took the curse on himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Right where you're sitting today, you can pray the prayer of faith. Just say, God, I repent of my sinful life, of every sinful thing I've ever done, anything that goes against your word, against your purpose for me. I repent of it. I'm putting my faith in Jesus. put my faith in Jesus to forgive me. And I give my life to you, God. If you've prayed that prayer of faith, or if you do pray that prayer of faith, then the walls of Jericho have come crashing down. The spiritual wall between you and God is gone. Between you and God is completely gone. You can now commune with God as your Father anytime through His Son Jesus Christ in Jesus' name. And this first communion you take as a Christian is, is a reminder that you can commune with Him anytime. And if you have prayed that prayer of faith, given your life to Jesus, let somebody know. Let me know. Let somebody know so that we can encourage you and help you in your new life in Christ. For the rest of us, as we go to this communion time, how is God speaking to us? What area of our life do we need to repent, renounce, resist, and renew? so that we can completely commune with God and so he can work the power of his promises in our life. Father, I pray that this time of communion would be a freeing time, a powerful time that your Holy Spirit would move in our hearts in a special way. Lord, I pray that because of your word today that we would persevere in faith and, Lord, I pray that this would be the start of victory in many areas of our life. And, Lord, if there's something that someone is struggling with in secret, just too strong, you would give them the courage and the humility to share that with somebody. And that person would help them find their freedom in Christ. I pray that in Jesus' name.